All right, well, as you can see, we're going to hit three chapters today. Now, there's a couple reasons for this. I know that we are expositional Bible students here. That means we go verse by verse, line by line, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the entire Bible. But we've got about five or six chapters of straight geography. I just can't do that to y'all. Now, there is some really cool things in there that we're going to look at, but we are going to do an overview. Now, I know some of you are going to be upset, but we are going to skip over some verses today. I know, I know. You can go home, you can read it, you can listen to it on tape, it's okay. Well, to glean is when you have a harvest and you've got all the wheat, you've brought all the sheaves in, and you're, you're starting to break the chaff from the wheat, and you're separating the wheat, and then some of the wheat falls onto the ground, and you're starting to pick through that to get it. You're getting that out as well, the little things. And so you have to be really tedious at it. And sometimes in the Word of God, it's the same way. You have to dig a little bit. You have to mine, and then you find these treasures, and you have to glean through His, his Word. And that's why it is so important for us to be in the Word daily. Now, I am a visual learner. As much as I can learn through uh, reading and the written word, I also like to see things. And so the next few chapters are going to show us this. And this is a a slide I picked up. We're going to highlight certain areas. We have to give a shout out to Ralph Elf Wilson. Ralph, I sent him an email asking him if I could use his slide. He didn't respond back, so I just pray for forgiveness sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Well, what happens here is it's not drawn out. So in the original languages, these chapters are detailing every single border, and they're by line by line explaining every body of water, every mountain, every ridge, every pass. And I just couldn't do that to you. Chapter 15, I think, has 63 verses in it, and they're all descriptive of this territory. I could just show you a picture. And so we're going to have the picture as reference, with, as reference as we go through some of these verses. So with that being said, let's read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 15. So this was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. The border of Edom at the wilderness of Zin southward was the extreme southern boundary. And their southern border began at the shore of the Salt Sea from the bay that faces southward. Then it went out to the southern side of the ascent of Cherubim, passed along to Zin, ascended on the south side of Kadesh Barnea, passed along to Hezron, went up to Adar, and went around Karka. Yeah, it's 63 verses just like that. Line by line, border by border. And to us, it doesn't mean anything. I remember when I moved here nine years ago, I worked for a company called Cleveland Site Prep as a truck driver, except I came from another state. I don't know where anything is, and you know how they gave directions. You know. All right, you need to go down 170. You hit the circle. Go on through the circle. Go on past. You're going to have four gates. Turn on the right. There's a big oak tree there. And, it, and you can hear it, and you're like, what are you talking about? Well, the same thing's here. If we don't see the map and we don't know what we're talking about in a foreign land, we just get completely lost. But I, I've said this every, every single time that we've been in a portion of, of Scripture like this. It may not mean anything to us, but to the tribes of Israel, 
when you look at this portion of territory here where Judah is, this is the southern portion of that map. I told you I'd try and highlight it so you guys can actually see the words. I know Ed can't see in the back, so I want to make sure. And you see all that territory of Judah? That's not, that's not just land. That's their home that they waited 40 years for and fought for for five years. Their brothers, their fathers, their uncles are buried here. They fought for this land. They kicked the Philistines out of these portions. So to us, this is just like nice coloring, a big blob, and some verses that we don't understand. But what is it to them? And you have to put yourself in that scripture. So chapter 15 is all about the tribe of Judah and its borders. And I said that we would find some excerpts. We'd find some things that were really, uh, really cool. I want you to see verse 13 of chapter 15. So verses 13 through 19 in chapter 15. Now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Shishai, Ahiaman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Deber, formerly the name of Deber with Kirjath Sefer. Verse 16. And Caleb said, He who attacked Kirjath Sefer and takes it, to him I will give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and, gave, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. Now it was so, when she came to him, that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? She answered, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land in the south, give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. So this is the Caleb from the previous chapter. Remember we were talking about how we, ne- we grow old in the Lord but never weaker? And how 80-something years old, he said, I'm going to go take that mountain and the giants that are in it. Well, here we have in verses 13 through 19, that Caleb does, he goes and he takes that mountain, he kicks those three guys off, and it says that he was given Hebron. I don't know if you guys can see it too well, but there in the very middle, look at Hebron. I also want you to notice the route of the 12 spies. 45 years earlier, Caleb and Joshua had gone to the promised land, and he had seen this city on that route. And I wonder then if he prayed, Lord, could I have this territory? Could I have this territory here? And so he's given that land. But we see that's not all. You see, if you're not reading the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and you get to a portion like that and you're like, no, no, I'm not doing it. Skip to the next book. I'm going to go to Judges. You're going to miss this section. It's right in the middle of this borderland discussion. He then goes, I need to find someone for my daughter. I want to get a weak guy. I want to get a soft guy to take care of my daughter. Oh, no. No, not Caleb. What does Caleb do? Remember in verse 16? He said, Who attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it, I will give Achish X of my daughter as wife. I want a guy that can go take a city, a city that's held by giants. 
And so he puts that out there. Whoever takes this city gets my daughter. And Othniel's like, I like that girl. And I kind of like Caleb. Again, I'm inferring into the scripture. That's kind of dangerous. I'd like to be in that. I'd like to be that family. I'd like to be there at that Thanksgiving table. I'm going to go do it. And so he does. He goes and he takes this city and takes it over. You know, this is fascinating to me because I, I have these false impressions before I become a believer that Christians are supposed to be soft and weak and turn the other cheek and be nice to everybody all the time and just be happy and loving. And then here we have a chapter where he says the 85-year-old guy takes on three giants, kicks them out of their house, takes over their town, eating food at their table, and then says, hey, you know the kind of son-in-law I'd like to have around my house? Another conqueror. Hey, go take, whoever takes this city, that's what I want. Now, we know that we're not called to war as um, Christians for Christ. For the government, we are. Romans 13, the authority of the sword has been given to the government. And they need to protect us, and that sword needs to be used. But as Christians for Christ, we don't go on crusades or jihads. We don't go out there uh, murdering people for Jesus. But we are to be conquerors, more than conquerors through Him, the Bible says. We're not supposed to be in a bunker or in a a corner just rocking ourselves, hoping that Jesus comes and rescues us. The Bible says that we are to, through prayer, tear down the mighty strongholds of enemies, of the wicked one, because our weapons are not carnal, they're spiritual. And we are to be used by the Lord. And you will find that men of God will attract other men of God. And men of God that are seeking and serving after God and they're taking ground and they're raising families will attract younger men that want to do the same. And that's what we need to do. And so, again, this, just this little nugget here in the middle of a map, in the middle of a real estate map, I find that really fascinating. So here's a little um, same place. We want to give it all credit to Ralph, Pastor Ralph Wilson. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know his doctrine. I just, he's got some cool maps on Google. I picked them up. They say copyrighted. So I want to give credit where it's due, but I want to also cover myself. Now, verses 20 all the way to verse 63 is a list of cities, all the cities that are in Judah. I will spare you. Shall we go to chapter 15, verse 63? The very last verse of chapter 15. It says, As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. So there's a big long list of cities, and then they highlight the Jebusites. With the Jebusites, those are a Canaanite tribe. And Jebusite, that area, that's Jerusalem. That will become Jerusalem. See, the Jebusites are not kicked out of Jerusalem until David drives them out. You're going to have to take over because it's doing the same thing. And so for centuries, for almost a millennia, they're going, to be, they're going to be there. And you could see why, too. Jerusalem is a city on a hill. It's defended on multiple sides. It has fresh water inside of that city. And so it can be uh, under siege for a long time, so nobody can take it. You know, the practical application for us is you can never stop. You, throughout these three chapters, 
we're going to see portions of the land that the Canaanites are not driven out. They, they compromise, and they let them stay. Is there any problems with people in the nation of Israel today, in the 21st century? Is there maybe a problem where there's multiple groups of people that are claiming the same land, and they don't care for each other? That's an analogy, that's a symbol to us as Christians when we compromise with the world. When we want to have a little bit of the world, and then we want to have a little bit of the Lord. There's no victory there. There's just turmoil, frustration, angst. You know, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a Christian, whether it's your first day or your 50th year. Every area that you compromise in, you will have frustration. I like to use very simple uh, analogies. I like to work out a lot, but you all know I like sweet things like cake. And so there's always a frustration there. When I'm working out, I'm like, man, if I could just have my diet under control, I'd be better. And if I'm eating a lot of cake, I'm like, well, at least I can go run and kind of get some of this off. But I tell you, I can never run enough. But there's always a tension there because I'm not happy with either one. I want to excel in athletics, and I want to eat everything I want all the time. Why do we do the same thing with, I want to walk with the Lord, I want to be spiritual, I want to be strong, I want to be a man or a woman that people look up to and that is used by God mightily. I also want to sit on my couch. I also want to feed my flesh. I also just want to do this and this and this and this. And so we see here with a literal city and literal people, don't compromise, go all in. It never works out. It never works out. That's what I'm going to say to myself next time I see some cake. Go all in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. So now we 63 verses. Not bad, right? Let's go to chapter 16 now. That was the, the tribe of Judah. Chapter 16. Let's hit the first couple verses. The lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountain to Bethel. Then went out from Bethel to Luz, passed along to the border of the Archites at Ataroth, and went down westward to the border of the Jephelites, as far as the boundary of lower Bethoron to Gezer, and it ended at the sea. I did verse 3 as a bonus for you guys. Also, all these names that I'm butchering, they're all dead. They don't mind. It's okay. <laughs> But here we have the, chil the, the children of Joseph. You guys remember from the last sermon that we had that Joseph had the two sons. They were given an equal portion, but they're called the half-tribes because they represent Joseph. And so they're, full, they're two full people groups. The half-tribes are not smaller tribes like half of a tribe. They're big. And so here's the central portion of that map we were looking at. And you'll see Manasseh and Ephraim. Those are the sons of Joseph. But notice how they don't have as big of a landmass area as Judah does. This is going to add some tension because they need more property. They need more land for their tribes to spread out on. And so verses 1 through 10 of chapter 16, it's the whole chapter, is giving the borders of these areas here in the central area painstaking detail so that they, there's no debate. So 
Let's go to chapter 17 now. So 10 verses there in chapter 16 are explaining to us the border of Manasseh and Ephraim. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 2. There was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph, namely for Mecher, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war. Therefore, he was given Gilead and Bashan, and there was a lot for the rest of the children of Manasseh, according to their families, for the children of Abiezar, the children of Helek, the children of Azrael, the children of Shechem, the children of Hefer, and the children of Shemidah. These were the male children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, according to their families. And the Lord blessed them. They knew how to, uh, to grow as a family, didn't they? That's a lot of kids. And those kids have kids. And so what we see here in chapter 17, this is the northern portion, is now they're given East Manasseh. So when you look at, a, maybe in the back of your Bible, you have those maps of the 12 tribes, and you kind of wonder, why are some of the tribes in multiple locations and they're not one? That seems kind of not efficient. Well, the reason is that here in chapter 17, and we're going to look at a portion here, Manasseh argues with them for why they should have more land. And so this portion of East Manasseh is actually in the Canaanite area. Let's see why. Let's go to verse 14 of chapter 17. Chapter 17, verse 14, and we're going to read all the way to the end of the chapter. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people? inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now. So Joshua answered them, If you are a great people and clear a place for yourselves, excuse me, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourselves there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are of Beth Shinan, Shean and its towns, and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. And that's what you're looking at here. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours, for you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. Manasseh doesn't like this, though. They wanted to be given land. They wanted to have it easy. But instead, it's told to them, if you can go to my notes, please. It's told to them, no, so if you guys are as strong and as big as you guys say you are, this is the land it has been already divvied out to the 12 tribes. Why don't you go get your own land? And so the northeastern part, this is, we'll go back to the original slide here, that northeastern part, the eastern Manasseh, is back on the eastern side of the Jordan River, up there in the top. That's the, that's the Canaanite area. And they're saying, Manasseh, if you want that land, go get it. But that's, that's not what we want to do. Like for, for, for you and your Christian walk, 
If you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you've been through some spiritual battles, and you're like, okay, I've, I've paid my dues. I've done my time. That is not biblical. Let's take the disciples of Christ. Let's take the apostles. You go through the three years of the ministry with Christ. You're literally walking around with Him, learning from Him. You're performing miracles through God's grace and through His Spirit. People are getting saved. You're listening to Jesus, the literal Word of God in front of you. He ascends into heaven, and then you get the book of Acts. Well, that should be it, right? You should start taking off from now. But what do we see in the book of Acts? Persecution, battles. They get chased out of Jerusalem. They need to to move on. They get established in Caesarea. Paul the Apostle gets called. Saul of Tarsus, your worst enemy. Saul of Tarsus, he's persecuting all your people. Jesus decides to save him and use him. That's not very nice. Then you're going to the missionary journeys and you're going out to the world. And next thing you know, your friend... Your apostle brothers, they start getting martyred. First one's beheaded. Then they arrest Peter. It should be getting easier. Don't you know I serve the Lord? My, I should be getting easy now. And then you, you follow Peter's life all the way to the very end. Peter crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to be martyred the same way that Jesus was. And Jesus wasn't martyred, so that's kind of misspeaking. He wasn't worthy to be crucified like the Lord the Lord's not martyred because he gave himself willingly. That's why. He's a propitiation for our sins. And then you go through all of the single, all the apostles, save for John. All of them have a battle all the way end, to the end, including giving up their life. And our retirement is with the king in heaven, no matter how old you are. And so if, let's go back to Manasseh. It's like, listen, it's, it's not enough that my ancestor, you threw him into a well and sold him into slavery. Don't we need some reparations here? It's like, no, you get, you get two tribes. Like, you already got a double portion, chill. Well, our tribe is big. We need some land. It's not fair that we only get one portion through two tribes. Okay, great. Go get it. Go get it. Go take that land. Yeah, but it's full of forests and mountains and Canaanites that are giant with chariots. That's not very fair. And, I, you know, it doesn't say here in the Bible, but I think the reaction is, so? Go get it. And they do. But here's the side note to that. Where have they been? Forty years in the desert where they fought battle after battle. The Lord provided. They were victorious. They went into all of the nation of Israel, the land that had giants in it that couldn't be defeated, that had chariots and huge fortresses. And God dried up the Jordan, and they walked right in there, and they took it in battle. Every single thing. The Lord delivered them over and over again. He never said it would be easy. He never said that they would never walk by faith. No, you're always going to walk by faith. There's always going to be a struggle. There's always going to be another battle. There is no retirement. You haven't paid your dues. It's not going to get any easier until the Lord returns. And so they go, and they go get it. Are you going to go get it? We have work to do. If you think that easy times are coming around the corner because you finally made it, now, some of us here are new believers, regardless of your age. 
And you may think, if I finally figure this thing out, if I finally learn the Bible and I finally figure out this Christian thing, it'll get easier. It's going to get 10 times worse. You're welcome. <laughs> the opposition is not going to get any better. The world's not going to get any nicer. The op- there's always going to be opposition, spiritual and physical. But this we do know. The promises of God are yes and amen. The Word of God never changes, and the same words of encouragement and the same battles that God led the people of Israel through, He is leading us through today in the 21st century. The same morals, values, and truths of God's Word have been consistent for the four to 6,000 years of recorded history, and then before that, all the way till He created the planet and pulled Adam out of the dirt. He never changes His mind. It's always going to be the same. We have work to do. So as we're going through these three chapters, we've only gone through a few different tribes so far. Ephraim, Manasseh, and Judah. The next few chapters, he's going to speed it up a lot. He's going to start talking about the other tribes. He's going to divvy out some more. Then we're going to get into some cooler, uh, in my opinion, cooler areas like the cities of the Levites, because you notice there's no tribe of Levi up there. Where do they go? They have cities that they're given, the cities of refuge, which are going to be really interesting. And then finally, as we close out this chapter, we're going to see Joshua's final sermon, his final farewell here. And then we're going to, it's finally going to get easier, and we're going to go into the book of Judges, where they live happily ever after and love the Lord all the days of their life. Pretty much like that, except the exact opposite. Well, this evening, there's a couple of takeaways for us. You know, there's things that are really important to us today that don't really matter. There's just territories on a map that mean nothing to somebody else. I was looking at a, a friend's genealogy earlier. Didn't mean anything to me. And what was fascinating is many of the lives and ancestors didn't mean much to him either. But that was a person's life. They spent their, their whole struggle just for us to be like, oh, yeah, that was interesting. What problems do you have? It's the same thing with the nation of Israel here in the book of Joshua. This land was so vitally important to them. And I'm like, no, I'm not reading 62 verses of this. I'm sorry. So it puts things in perspective. There's a trial in front of you. There's a thing that's in front of you. There's a work that's in front of you that other people just aren't going to get. But God knows. He forgets nothing. Your trial, your struggle is important. It is so important to the nation of Israel and to the Lord that he, he has recorded it in Scripture. And here we are in the year 2023 on a continent they've never heard, in a language that has never even been uttered, and we are skipping over <laughs> their struggle and their, their lives and their land. All for God to show us He forgets nothing. Because the Bible tells us He's counted every single hair on our head. He knows our thoughts afar off, and He's numbered them. He is with you in the struggle. And just as we were going through those genealogies and just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Jesus walked with them through the valley of the shadow of death. And if they were believers, they're in His presence now. He forgets nothing. So, yes, some of our struggles and our trials, they're not a big deal. Some of them... They seem life-altering, but ultimately they don't mean much. 
But to Christ, they're fundamentally important. He walks with you through them. He knows them. He's speaking to you about them. Trust Him. Walk by faith. Don't compromise with the world. Make good decisions. And know that it's not going to get easier in this world. It just isn't. But in the midst of that, we've been learning in Corinthians, we can have joy because He is our King. Well, we're going to close out this hour in prayer, praying together. And then next week, I know you'll be running to church to get to the rest of these territories. Let's pray. Lord, we lift up this word to you, and we thank you. Just like you said, Lord, there are such amazing nuggets in your word all over, and it just takes a little bit of diligence, and then you show them to us. What a reward, Lord. Thank you for also showing us in these territories that you don't forget anything. So whatever trials we're going through, whatever difficulties, we pray that as we pray together, that you would lead us and direct us, and that you would get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.